Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is March 3rd. Today we're going to continue in this week's Come Follow Me block and we're going to take a look at Genesis chapter 29. Now Genesis chapter 29 is kind of this Old Testament love triangle, right? Between Jacob and Rachel and Leah. Somehow Laban gets in there. (laughs) And I was talking with my husband and I was telling him that this just isn't my favorite story in the Old Testament. And the reason is I just feel so bad for Leah. My heart just breaks for her. And so as I said that, as I said, this just isn't my favorite story. My husband laughed and he said, yeah, I don't think it was Jacob's favorite either. So just so we all know, this can be kind of honestly a hard story to hear, but it's filled with some pretty neat principles. First of all, let's take a minute and remember just a couple of things about Jacob. We're told that Jacob was kind of the homebody. It talks about how Esau liked to be out hunting and being out and about, but that Jacob liked to be home and he liked to be home in his tent. And we're also told how much he loved his mother and how much his mother loved him. There are things in this story that kind of show us how sensitive of a soul Jacob is. But I think it's important that we remember Jacob's love for his mother, Rebecca. Because if we'll remember, however many years ago, Eliezer came to this exact same well that Jacob is going to approach here in chapter 29. And there, Eliezer is going to find Rebecca watering his camels. I am sure, absolutely sure that Jacob knew this story. And so here, as he's traveling to find a covenant wife, where's the first place that he goes? He goes and he stops at the well. As he goes, he sees that there are groups of people there, that there are three different flocks of sheep there. And he approaches them and he says, hey, where am I? They said, oh, we're in Haran. He asks if any of them know Laban. They say, yep, we know him. He says, oh, is he well? And they say, yeah, he's well. And here comes his daughter and he turns and he sees Rachel. And I imagine, oh, sweet mystery of life starts playing and (laughs) maybe a beam of light shines on her and he's just taken already. Now, I don't want to say, oh, yeah, this was love at first sight or, oh, he was in love with her because she was so beautiful. I don't know how it worked. But I do know that here he was coming to this well, specifically looking for a covenant wife. We know how much he loves his mom. And so we know that he probably is looking for someone who has similar qualities as his mom. We know his mom was an extremely hard worker. And now all of a sudden, Rachel's approaching and she's herding all these sheep towards the well, doing this difficult work that was normally a man's work. And here she is doing this difficult work. Jacob sees her approaching and he asks the other men there, isn't there something else you guys should be doing? Shouldn't you be, you know, helping your cattle and you can water the sheep later? And they say, oh yeah, we can't do that. There's this big stone over the well. And once a day, everyone comes together. We take the stone off the well and then we all water our sheep at the same time. Now we know that that stone wasn't always there. That stone didn't exist when Rebecca came to the well. But a lot of biblical scholars believe that perhaps it was a time of drought or perhaps really high heat. And so maybe the people put this stone over and only untapped it once per day to prevent evaporation or to prevent other people coming to the well and taking their water. And so that's how they did it. And so Jacob sees this, he sees Rachel coming, and he decides to do exactly what his mom did. See the similarities? It's like mother, like son here. 
He sees and he decides that he's going to serve. And so he rolls back the stone on the well. Now, before I go farther on the story, I love that symbolism that we see there, that type of Christ that we see there. Because remember, however many thousands of years later, Christ is going to be at this very same well, at Jacob's well. And he's going to teach the woman at the well that he is living water, that whosoever would partake of the living water would never thirst again. So we know that Christ is water. But I also love that imagery that we have with the rolling back of the stone. Remember, after the resurrection of Christ, we're told that the stone was rolled away from the tomb. And just as those angels rolled back the tomb to present the living water to the world so that we could access that living water, Jacob here is going to roll back the stone on this well and offer up water to those who were there. So Jacob follows in his mother's footsteps. He rolls back the stone. He waters all the sheep. And when that's done, it says that Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. Now, I don't think that this was a romantic kiss because later we're going to see that he kisses Laban as well. But I think it's this greeting. But I love that he lifts up his voice and he weeps. That shows us his sensitivity and his joy in finding his family and finding these covenant people. So they go back to the house. Jacob meets Laban. Laban says, I want you to tarry here with us and your family. I don't want to take advantage of you. So I want to pay you for the work that you're going to be doing here for me. Jacob explains that he will work and serve Laban for seven years for the opportunity to marry his younger daughter, Rachel. Now, here's where my heart kind of breaks for Leah, because Leah's the older sister, and normally the older sister would marry first. But listen to this verse. Verse 17, it says, Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Now, tender-eyed might sound like a compliment. Oh, she's so tender. But that's not what this means. Tender in Hebrew was actually rock, which meant weak. She was weak-eyed. A lot of biblical scholars think that maybe that means she had a lazy eye or maybe she was cross-eyed. It might just mean that her eyes weren't her strongest feature. I'm not positive there. But what breaks my heart here is that it says that she was tender-eyed. And then it's that word, but, but Rachel was beautiful. That but just shows us the comparison that everyone made between Leah and Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but wow, that Rachel, she was beautiful. And not only was she beautiful, but she was also favored. She was kind of the favorite here. And so Jacob says, I'm willing to work seven years for the opportunity to marry Rachel. Not Leah, Rachel. And here in verse 20, we have kind of the Hallmark card of the Old Testament. This is like the Valentine's Day Hallmark card. It says, And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. Oh, isn't that sweet? He served seven years, he worked hard, but they seemed like nothing to him because he loved Rachel so much. So seven years pass, they have this wedding ceremony, everything's great, grand, and wonderful. But when it's time for the father of the bride to deliver the bride to the groom, it's late at night, there has been most likely drinking involved in this ceremony. She's veiled, it's dark, and Laban actually delivers Leah to Jacob instead of Rachel. 
another thing that just breaks my heart. What Leah must have been thinking of herself. Well, no man wants to marry me. So my father has to trick this guy into taking me as his wife. So he's now married to Leah and says, well, give me Rachel and I'll work seven more years for you. The reason why I say this story just makes me so sad for Leah is that it says that after Rachel and Jacob were married, that he loved Rachel more than Leah. And when the Lord sees that Rachel is so much more loved than Leah, he opens up the womb of Leah. She conceives Reuben and and then listen to what Leah says. Surely the Lord hath looked upon my afflictions now, therefore my husband will love me. Just so sad so heartbreaking. But what I love about this story is both Leah and Jacob had every opportunity to feel angry, to feel slighted, to feel tricked or deceived. And even worse, it was a family member that caused this hurt or caused this deception. I can imagine that that must have hurt. You may have had a similar experience where someone that you love ends up hurting you or sliding you or cheating you somehow. It is normal and natural to feel angry, to feel deceived, to feel hurt. But I love that we have no evidence here in the scriptures that Jacob or Leah felt that way. Instead, we see love, we see forgiveness, we see acceptance. Elder Uchtdorf once said, We will receive the joy of forgiveness in our lives when we are willing to extend that joy freely to others. Lip service is not enough. We need to purge our hearts and minds of feelings and thoughts of bitterness and let the light and love of Christ enter in. As a result, the Spirit of the Lord will fill our souls with the joy accompanying divine peace of conscience. My friends, I testify that We can only move forward in faith and in joy as we're willing to forgive and let go of hurt in the past. Now, that doesn't mean that we open ourselves up to be hurt again. It doesn't mean that we disregard any boundaries that we might have to have in place. But we can forgive. We can let go of the bitterness. We can let go of the anger. And we can allow the joy of the Lord to enter into our hearts. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.